0: As-salamu <laughs> alaykum wa rahmatullahi Inshallah, we'll have a short tilawah until um, Mufizim comes, Inshallah. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ومن يقنط من كن لله ورسوله وتعمل صالحا نؤتها أجرها مرتين وأعتدنا لها رزقا كريما يا نساء النبي لستنك أحد من النساء إن اتقيتن فلا تخضعن بالقول فيطمع الذي في قلبه مرض فيطمع الذي في قلبه مرض وقلن قولا معروفا وقرن في بيوتكن ولا تبرجن تبرج الجاهليه الأولى واذكرن ما يتلى في بيوتكن من آيات الله والحكمة إن الله كان لطيفا خبيرا إن المسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات والقانتين والقانتات والصادقين والصادقات والصادقين والصادقات والصابرين والصابرات والخاشعين والخاشعات إذا قضى الله ورسوله أمرا أن يكون لهم الخيرة من أمرهم ومن يعص الله ورسوله فقد ضل ضلالا مبينا فلما قضى زيد منها وطرا زوجناكها لكي لا يكون لكي لا يكون على المؤمنين حرج في ازواج ادعيائهم اذا قضوا منهن وطرا وكان أمر الله مفعولا صدق الله العظيم
1: السلام عليكم Allah الله وبركاته اللهم صل وسلم سيدنا محمد وعلى محمد بارك وسلم رب صدري ويسر لي امري من لساني قولي سبحانك
2: بعد الله to make this gathering a blessed one for all of us may he make it a means of the cure of our physical spiritual uh, illnesses may he make it a means of us Understanding the deep secrets of the Quran may he make it a means of us hearing and listening to that which is most necessary for any one of us in our own spiritual journeys And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make our sitting here a means of us being counted from amongst those who are students of knowledge Ameen ya rabbal alamin <clears throat> uh, These 22nd Jews is where we're going to begin today I, I translated briefly uh, uh, um, a little bit of tafsir last time of the first ayah. Let's go through the translation of the few verses that hopefully we will try to cover inshallah. Allah Jalla mentions, min But each and every one of you who remains devoutly obedient to Allah and His Messenger and who does the righteous deeds to her, shall we give her reward two times that of other women. Thus we p- prepared for her a generous provision in the hereafter above many. O oh the wives of the prophets, you are, O oh the wives of the prophet, you are, you are like no other category of women if you remain God fearing. You are like no other category of women if you remain God fearing. So do not be soft in your speech with men. Do not be soft in your speech with men. Such that one in whose heart there is a sickness should become desirous. Rather speak a forthright word. Rather speak a forthright word. Moreover, abide reverently in your homes. Abide reverently in your homes. Nor shall you flaunt your beauty and adornment like the flaunting of women in the former times of ignorance. Rather duly establish the salah. and give zakah charity. Allah and obey the commands of Allah and His Messenger. Inna ma Allahu and in Allah intends by this only. Allah intends by this only to remove all traces of defilement from you, O oh, the people of the Prophet's sallallahu alaihi household. Wa and, pur- and to purify you in spirit with a virtuous purification. So, Allah azawajalla in the last. Uh, ayah of the 21st uh, Jews, he mentioned that the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, that if you want to ask the Prophet ﷺ for what he, don't, he doesn't have well then you have an option, either you choose him or you choose the dunya and he, he, he was told to tell them that uh, take, you know, live with me with, in the means I have and make, uh, remain patient and if that's not acceptable to you then I will give you some gifts and I will send you off if you remain patient and you want Allah and His Rasul, then you're, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared ajran al a great reward for you. And then, ya nisa' an nabi O the wives of the Prophet, uh, whoever from amongst you comes through with an evil action, with a sinful deed, then the sins will be multiplied. And this is not hard. So... Uh, this is something, my dear brothers, that I wanted to spend a, little bit, a few minutes on uh, here is that there is a saying, Hasanatul Abrar, Sayyatul Muqarrabin. Hasanatul Abrar, Sayyatul Muqarrabin. The good deeds of the pious are regarded as the sins of those who are super close to Allah. The good deeds of the pious are regarded as sins for, of those who are close to Allah. Meaning, an average person, he says, Alhamdulillah, today, I performed two rak'ah before I went to sleep of tahajjud salah I'm so excited I'm so happy I've achieved something great That's good for him but a person muqarrab who's been brought close to Allah he's actually really fallen in rank by only performing two rak'ah and also that before he went to sleep instead of going to sleep and waking up and performing salah in the middle of the night and doing so at least eight the way the Prophet ﷺ did so one person is very happy that he achieved two but for someone who's close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that too is actually not acceptable. So the closer a person is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the expectations are higher. And you see that in the dunya as well. A police officer doing something wrong is regarded as a much greater crime. A person in the army committing atrocity or committing a crime while in uniform is going to be regarded as worse than someone who is an average person. A physician wearing his scrubs you know, in the hospital is abusing his authority and power is going to be regarded you know, as a much greater abuse of power and is going to be, you know, punished appropriately compared to some average person doing that. Or let's say someone lower than the physician in the medical field. So, Allah Azzawajal has a system in the dunya and the deen as well. The closer we are to Allah or the, the more knowledge we have, then the expectations from us are also greater. Now most of the time we use this rule against others. Rarely do we apply it to ourselves. You know? They uh, say, You keep in a beard and you're lying. Right? This is some people always say that. You're keeping a beard and you're lying. How dare you do that? SubhanAllah. So that's one one sin, of course, that he's lying. It was a big sin. But uh, you know, let's let's leave the beard part out. Alhamdulillah he's got the beard that's good one thing but he's got this issue got to fix how about we all start applying it to ourselves to say I need to keep myself at a higher standard than others the fact that any of you are sitting here on a Tuesday night tafsir what are you you're 1% of the 1% of the 1% don't you think so you're, you're already the chosen of the chosen of the chosen how many people come for salatul jama'ah on a weekday how many people come from a salat, after salat al-jama'ah performed the sunnah without leaving. How many of them will perform the sunnah, their dhikr and dua, and then wait? Jazakumullah khair for waiting today. Wasn't feeling too well. So, you, you waited patiently, and then you're sitting here all the way to salat al-isha. You, how many people do what you're doing? And those who are listening, <coughs> mashallah, from their homes. How many people dedicate themselves to sit there, leave everything, and sit and listen Online. Uh, without any uh, commotion, without any live, you know, uh, circus going on. Just listening to the audio. This is, subhanAllah, you're amongst the chosen people. So now I need to put myself and yourself, you need to put yourself in a, a, you know, a, to a higher level. To, a, to make yourself more accountable to say, I can't be doing this. Because Allah has gifted me with things that majority of the people in my relative, amongst my relatives are not gifted with. I'm, I'm, I'm not to make us proud and arrogant, no. But to feel that, you know what? Allah can all easily hold me accountable because I have exposure. I have exposure to knowledge. I have exposure to scholars. I have exposure to a good environment. What excuse can I give myself for not practicing the deen? While well, there are thousands who have no exposure, who've never been to a masjid besides Eid, right? who've never sat in a dars of tafsir, who don't know the very basics of deen. So maybe Allah will excuse them for not knowing anything. But what excuse do I have? Usually what shaitan does is he does create this environment of ser- people of knowledge have to be at a higher pedestal, but we use this to attack people instead of using this for our own benefit to say, you know what, I need to have higher expectations for myself. Are you getting what I'm saying? So we should all regard ourselves to be very highly chosen people. One day, I was speaking to one of my teachers in Madinah Munawwara. May Allah Azza will take us all there soon to Mecca and Madinah and to Haramayn Sharifah for Umrah and for Hajj. Amin, Rabbil Alameen. And may Allah grant all of us the reward of Hajj for simply desiring to be there And not being able to go there May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all uh, that, um, you know, uh, that, that reward It's definitely if al is just around the corner, the first 10 days Majority of the Hajjaj would have been already there by now uh, uh, Or a big, good portion of them would be there, subhanAllah So, Nabi Alayhi, uh, yes, I was in Medina and I was with one of my teachers And I was explaining, I was just sharing with him some of my own dilemmas and when you're sharing your dilemma, sometimes what happens, you end up becoming ungrateful to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala in the while doing the process of that. So he listened to me and then after that, he said, you know, you're, you're just simply you're not being, you're not focusing on the blessings of Allah. And uh, you know, and that's so important to be reminded that you're, yeah, these problems are there, but really compared to the blessings you have, this is zero, this is nothing. And he said, do you realize how chosen you are, that you are coming from America? from a place where the people don't know the deen. And you're coming with a group, and subhanAllah Allah gifted you through knowledge, and you're teaching this group of people how to perform Umrah and Hajj. And the fact that although you're coming from America, you still know more about the deen than vast majority of people who are present here in, in the masjid of Nabawi I never thought about it like that. I was like, okay, whatever, you know. خير. We listen to our Ustad, move on. So then we went to go perform our Salatul duha He said, let's go, it was around 10, 11 o'clock. He says, let's go, and this was my last salah with him in the masjid with my two stads. So I, he said, let's go to pray in uh, Riyadh al-Jannah before I head out to Mecca. Subhanallah. So we got in Riyadh al-Jannah at 11 o'clock. He, pre- he started performing his Salat al dhuhr I mean, duha I was about to, and an elderly person, he caught hold of me and started asking me questions. So in Arabic he was an, obviously an Arab elder and I said well, I didn't understand what he said I said what are you saying and then he repeated then I understood we are where? sitting and standing in Riyadh al-Jannah uh, 10 feet away from the Prophet ﷺ. and this person he's looking at me lost and he tells me Aina qabru where is the grave of the Prophet he just looks so lost and I told him my, my, my respected elder, we are at the feet of the Prophet We are, you know, on his head side, right here. This is it, right here. And I answered that, and immediately it hit me as this was a manifestation of what my teacher was telling me. That subhanAllah, Allah is teaching me here. That you, you, you're from America, born and raised there, and here you are in the city of the Prophet, guiding a person who is born and raised in a Muslim country, but literally has no idea where the grave of the Prophet Alaihi is. When I have been blessed to be at the grave of the Prophet Wasallam since, you know, I'm a you know whatever five-year-old and that was just an immediate lesson Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching that you really need to focus on the blessings you have now, now what I'm trying to say is there's one thing is about humility and humbleness oh I'm nobody I'm nothing I'm the worst that's, that's in its part but at the same flip side of it we have to all have to think that Alhamdulillah Allah gifted me knowledge and experience and exposure to deen That vast majority of our cousins do not have So it's not about being arrogant It's not about thinking of yourself to be better than others No It's instead thinking that I'm expected to act better than the rest If you're sitting here listening to me right now Most definitely You are the top and the cream of your khandan and your relatives And so the expectations from you has got to be higher So you can't say Well she's doing that He's doing that My cousin did that Fulan did that That's what we all say the kids say and we say it too what everyone is doing this. You're not everyone, you're different. And that's what the Quran is saying here. Is that as the wives of the Prophet, we have expectations from you. If you mess up, then you're not gonna get one sin. I'm gonna double in, in double the double the punishment. What kind of like Allah Yassirah? And that's very easy for me to do. Not even a push of a button. Simply have to make irada and will it is done. You're gonna get multifold punishment. Because why, you're the wives of the Prophet. There's expectations from you. You have to be leading an extremely, you know, pure life beyond anyone else's. And that's why we, we, talk, we heard about Umar al-Khattab anh, this past weekend, mashallah, through the nasheeds, through Mufti bin Hajj's khutbahs, and the talks that were given when Brother Stephen Jackson was here on Friday night. Those of you who are online, you can definitely uh, go, listen to, uh, go listen to the talk. It's, uh, I've heard many ulama who reached out to me, alhamdulillah. Masha'Allah, they were so happy they were hosted him from different parts of the country. And said that that, that that speech of his was so inspirational, was so moving. And actually so many Imams have reached out to me from that day till now, wanting to host him in their own communities. And uh, when, I, uh, when I shared this, SubhanAllah, with, her, with the non-Muslim agent who had come, you know, she was floored. She was floored by the hospitality she received from our community. May Allah reward all those who assisted in, in, um, in serving him and her, and all the, you know, she's a non-Muslim. But she was just so floored by that. And so she said, yeah, my f- phone is buzzing by masajid across the country. This is the f- you know first major program they ever had in a masjid. And uh, but, uh, but alhamdulillah, she's like, I don't think anyone else can, you know, the team said, I don't think anyone else can match the hospitality. I said, well, hope alhamdulillah, we won your heart. You know, that's the, the goal of it. Uh, the goal of it is to win the hearts of these people and Allah uses them a vessel, as a vessel and uses us as a means to get to a larger audience. And to get, to get to a group of other influencers in the, uh, who will, inshaAllah, who are influencers in the dunya, may Allah use us to change them into influencers in the deen. Say inshaAllah. All right? And so this community has a whole share in it. You should all feel thankful and grateful to Allah that you are part of that community that was utilized by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this landmark event. When Janae Jamshidah came here uh, 10 years ago um, for the, uh, a fundraiser, you know, that was a big th- big thing. People flew in from Houston. People flew in from, of course, Missouri and, and Indiana and whatnot. But even far away from different parts of the country. Different parts of the country to attend that event. It was the first huge event with him. And after that, subhanAllah, then, you know, the doors opened. And then he he was he visited probably, like, literally no doubt, a hundred communities or a hundred masjids after that in America. So I told this to the uh, Brother Stephen. as well. I said, this is a memorable night. You're going to le- look back down ten years later and you're going to say, Wow, it all started out that Darussalam Friday night program. You, how much work Allah will take from you, inshallah, and how many communities you're going to travel to, and how, many, how much impact you're going to have on the kids and the youth and the adults, you won't, even under, you won't even understand where this all came from. And mashallah, Allah used this masjid and that program, I'm confident, to get that thing started. So uh, we need to have shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, all of, for sincerity for, for all of us, and qubuliyah and acceptance and protection from all evil eye, and, and uh, the plots of shaitan amin abul alamin so and umar radiyallahu anhu that amazing individual what does he do he calls his 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 family when he becomes khalifa right subhanallah and he says inni qad nahaytu an-nasa an katha wa katha, wa innahum innama yanzuruna ilaykum nadrat at-tayri ila al-lahm fa in waqa'tum waqa'u wa inhibtum, habbtum habu wa ayma allah لا مِنْكُمْ الَّذِينَ هَيْتُ عَنْهُ إلَّا أَضَعَفْتُ عَلَيْهِ الْعُقُوبَةَ مَرَّتَيْنِ لِمَكَانِهِ he says, oh people, oh my family, I have I have stopped and prohibited the people from doing such and such. I made the laws for my country, for the uh, you know the entire khilafah uh, the area that he was he was the the caliphate that where he was leading. I have prohibited people from such and such. And indeed, the people are looking at you the way a hunting predator bird looks at its next meal. The way it prays and looks for its, the meat in front of it. That's how the people are looking at you all. Who are you all? My family. He says, if you fall into that which I have asked them not to do, they will do the same. They will also do the same thing. And if you stay away from it and you're afraid and you don't sin, and you don't fall into it, you don't break the rules I made, Habu, they will also stay away. Allah, I swear by Allah, if I, am brought by, if I am brought, if any man from amongst you is brought to me, from my family, who did what I have asked them not to do, then I will ensure that I will multifold give them the punishment. minni, because of the status he has with me. The fact that you're my son, the fact that you're my son in law the fact that you're my brother, the fact that you are my relative, I'm going to increase it double, double the fold. So no one should think that I'm being easy on the family. And number two, no one should look at your mistakes because you got to realize your status. When you do things like this, what are people going to do? People are going to, people are going to make a leeway and say, well, he's Umar al relative. He's doing it, so we can do it as well. La ilaha illallah. Subhanallah, this is, this is the adal of Umar al-Khattaw. Anhu. And when you have people like him in leadership, in any position, everything will come right you know seriously that is the key thing I want all of you to make dua for yourselves and for this institution of adl, justice in all aspects in every single aspect there must be adl. and if you have adl, the ulama say even if there's kuffar leading a country if there's justice Allah will let them prosper and if there are Muslims leading a country and they're oppressive Allah will destroy them internally they'll get destroyed what, what do we see today in the Muslim countries they have too much abundance of resources but there's no justice and because of that the, they're internally all falling apart I remember our Ustad does Mufti Sahab Mufti Ghadaul Haq. if you're in his Khidma, if you're if you're if you're given the chance to serve him and be from amongst those one or two students who you know take care of his house and, and and prepare meals and whatever other things like that the expectation was that when it comes to classwork you have to be the best right there was no such thing as a B student doing his Khidma. anyone who's doing his Khidma was an A plus student and you have to be SubhanAllah, I remember, we'd have guests over, sometimes many guests over for breakfast. And you're preparing and you know, clean and, and everything's done, then you have to clean up all the dishes, and of course clean up the tea and bread, and put this away, that way, and whatnot. Wathisa would never, he would never even say, Chall, let's go, let's go for class, because class is 7.45. When it's time exactly at 7.42, he picks up his book, or someone would actually come and take his book. One of the students would come every day, 7.45 minutes before, come take his book, and leave it on the desk. And then he would walk out right on time. But if you walk out after, I mean, if you, even if you walk out after him, there's two ways to get to the class, one from here, one from there. But if you were to get into class after him, you're in trouble. When he walks in, you better be sitting in your spot. Right? That was the thing. You, you can clean it. Don't use the excuse of cleaning dishes to complete the class. Whatever it is, that's an added bonus that you're, you're, you're being allowed to do. There's a higher expectations as a, as a khadim of, 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 of the teacher, That you have to be the best in your studies, you have to have the best attendance, you have to have everything top-notch. And I guess that's you can see in sports and some other things as well. They have this, you know, apparent uh, high expectations. So we need to keep these high expectations from who? From ourselves. Right? As people of the, the masjid, we have to ensure that we are living up to high standard. What else? Anytime we are given authority or power, we have to make sure that the hardest and the highest expectations we have is from our own relatives, our own sons, our own daughters. This is where the problem comes. amwalukum fitnah. <inaudible> Indeed, your wealth and your children are a test. And this is what it means by a test. Son made a mistake, grandson made a mistake. What do you do now? Right, you love them, but a rule is a rule. And so now, are you going to try to bend the rule, which happens 99% of the time? Context, right, some of the discussions we had before. Right, people you're connected with come or is it no the rule is a rule if you if I know you I'm gonna even be more strict subhanallah one of the beautiful statements I've heard uh, that you know um, uh, in, in in one, of, from one he mentioned that when usually when people go to business when they go to a clothing cloth merchant in India whatever cloth merchant wala, or whatever they know a guy he'd say, discount he said give me a you know give me a discount I went with you for three days in Jamaat. come on hook me up with a discount he said, you, there's no reason to give discount to someone you spend time in Jamaat with or you know. There's no reason. Why, why is this false expectation that if you spend time in the masjid, you got to get a discount? He said, the guy who never came to the masjid, you look at him, ajow, ajow, ajow. you're free, military. come take this for free. The goal is you want to win someone's heart. The guy whose, whose heart already you have won and who already is connected to the masjid, earn your money. I'm not, we're not saying rip him off. Charge the normal rate, whatever is it, $2, $2. You don't need to. There's, there's no reason for I have this false expectation that I need to get a discount. He's already connected to the masjid. You get this point? But there's a guy who never comes. He might even have a bottle in his hand. Give it to him for free and win over his heart. Look at how we think the opposite. This is a new guy. Charge him full. Double. And this guy, I know him. So let me give it to him for free. Where, where is, this is not the way to work. You can give free to everyone. No problem. I'm not saying that. But when it comes to new people especially, that's where we're supposed to be they're the ones whose hearts we're trying to attract. And so you'd go out of your way to do ikram. Umuman, usually what happens when we see people at the door who we know, we go, we go out of our way to accommodate them. When you see someone new person, like yeah, whatever. That's not what the deen teaches us. The guy who you already know, he doesn't need your extra attention. Who needs your extra attention? Someone who doesn't know you. So you have people inviting to the home or whatever the case may be. New people in the community. Those are the people that require more attention. And so Nabi Ali, there's nothing better probably than a beautiful story of the Prophet ﷺ related by Aisha radiallahu and She says, that, There was a lady from the Mahzumi tribe who stole. She stole. She was a rich lady from a rich family from a very high lineage and she stole. It happens. Mistakes are made. So the Quraysh were very worried. They said, I mean, if you follow the rule of Islam, you know, this is crazy. Now, how can we? She's a daughter of some big person from a big tribe. We can't have her, you know, face the capital punishment in front of everyone. What is this? uh, Disgraceful. So how are we going to go get around this? So they said, who is going to go speak to the Prophet and try to make you know, find some loophole. You know, shafa'ah, safarish. Try to go and find a way out and ask him to forgive her. So they started thinking. They said, No one can do this. We need someone who has direct access to the Prophet that when he looks at him, he says, oh, come on in. Someone who's super close to the Prophet who the Prophet really loves. And the one who we think is, do you remember this whole Surah Ahzab story started off with the third ayah? about how uh, your, your, your adopted children are not your real children. So that was Zayd radiallahu anhu, if you remember, whose story is going to yet to come. So he was like the adopt, you know, very close. Of course, like initially he was being called Zayd bin Muhammad, super close. So Osama is his son. So this is known as like the beloved of the beloved of Rasulullah. So they said he's got a, Rasulullah has got a soft spot for him. Go. So Osama radiallahu anhu went and said, Ya Rasulullah, can you please... Let this Imraa Makhzumiya go. This lady from the Makhzumi tribe. The Prophet ﷺ told him, "Are you coming here interceding on behalf of this lady in order to cancel out one of the one of the fundamental punishments that have been ordained by Allah? This is not me. This is not my law." This is a punishment that Allah has ordained in the Qur'an. A thief, male or female, if they get caught stealing without a certain amount, then their hands need to be cut. That's straight from the Qur'an. You, are you coming and trying to ask me to change a law of Allah? The Prophet then he stood up and gave a khutbah. And he said, أَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا إِذَا سَرَقَ فِيهِمْ الشَّرِيفِ تَرَكُوهُ وَإِذَا سَرَقَ فِيهِمْ ضَعِيفِ أَقَامُوا الْحَدِّ He said the previous nations were destroyed because when a honorable person from amongst them would commit an act like stealing, they would not do anything to him, they would let him go. But when a weak, poor person would end up stealing, then they would ensure that the punishment were to be met out. And that's why they got destroyed. Then the Prophet said something super powerful. And my ustad Shabir would cry when he would read this. He said, I swear by Allah, I swear by Allah, if my daughter, Fatima, the daughter of Muhammad, were to ever steal, I would ensure that her hand would be cut. Subhanallah. Think about this. The leader of the women of Jannah, Fatima. The peace of his heart. He said, anyone who hurts her, hurts me, anyone who hurts me, has has challenged Allah, and whoever challenges Allah, Allah will ensure that he avenges himself. Subhanallah. But look at what statement he's saying. That's all in its place. But I'm just telling you, the rules are rules. Even if my daughter were to do something like this, Allay Billah, I can't play around with the deen. My beloved brothers, this is a really touchy point. But this is the reason why. Our system is falling. What did Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi say? The previous nations were destroyed because the rules changed based on who they were. Today's system, Islamic institutions, Islamic countries, the rules very quickly change based on who you are. How wealthy you are, how well connected you are, which family you belong to, what resources you have, etc, etc. This is scary stuff. That's why we have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never to be put into a position in which we have to make tough decisions. In which then we end up Failing. And we make mistakes like this and our whole deen goes. That's when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said, من جوع Whoever's been made a judge, following the Muslim, ذبح sakinan. سَكِينٍ He's been slaughtered without a knife. What does that mean? One explanation of this is that if you've been made a judge, you don't even realize it. That you're actually, you're gone. sakin Silently you've been slaughtered. Silently. sakin Without a knife you've been slaughtered. This is not something to be excited about to be a judge or to be having to make big decisions. Instead you have to be afraid that a mistake like this happens and that you have a soft spot for someone that you should not have had just because they are related or they've done something for you and your whole deen goes down. That's why the Quran says I'dilu kana qurba. I'dilu kana qurba. Remain just even if it means you're dealing and speaking and making decisions against your own relatives. Speak the truth even if it's bitter. Speak the truth even if it's bitter. Follow justice even if it means it's against your own relatives. This is not easy. So we have to ask Allah, Ya Allah, make us people who are just in all situations. This is so, so, so important. My dear friends, I want you to understand what I'm speaking about here because this is scary stuff. When it comes to our relatives, we may end up losing our whole d- Akhirah. We've got a perfect life. But then the love of a son or a daughter or a wife comes in and that's it. You know, That's why they're called a fitna. That's why they're called a fitna. People who try to say rules are rules, are they liked by society? They say, yaar, Come on, man. What's wrong with this guy? Yaar? Come on. Make some, make some you know, intizam. Make some intizam. You know, make it work. Make it happen. But that's, that's wrong. Nor should we do it, nor should we pressure anyone to do that. If there, if, if, especially if we have a contact, we have to be extra careful. So this is, um, I feel like a very big slippery slope. Only the ones who truly understand how dangerous this is will stay away from it, otherwise most people, they don't even think along this line. Like, chalta yaar, come on, everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it, you have a contact, why not? Use that contact and, get, and skip the line, use that contact. One brother called me from Umrah. He said, we did Umrah and now they put a pabandi, they, they, and this is the time when they had construction, they had uh, what do you call that thing? The bridge on top around the Kaaba. You're doing tawaf upstairs, you know, on that little um, donut. And, they were, and so, because of, because of construction. And only people who are doing tawaf, umrah were allowed to do it downstairs. So he called me an international phone call from, from there. And I, I said, what, what happened? He said, I have a question. I already performed my umrah. Now I want to do I want to do nafil tawaf But they're only allowing for people of umrah. So can I just wear my ihram? <laughs> can I wear my ihram? and do tawaf at the bottom level. Got it? You understand? Because you know, it's, it's, I'm not doing umrah, but look, I'm wearing the cloth, the ihram cloth, so they'll think I'm doing umrah and I'll be allowed to do it. So he asked me, I said, mashallah Allah reward you, but listen, I said, if you, if you thought, if you're completely content with this, would you have, have, you, have, you, you have taken the effort to call me all the way from there? I said, ask yourself, don't you think there's something, you're feeling something uneasy about it? He said, yeah, exactly, that's right. I said, well, that's the answer, you got the answer. Your istafti Ask your heart. That's what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said. Ask your heart. If you're feeling uneasy about it, leave it. Right? You don't need a fatwa on here. Your own qalb, your heart is giving you a fatwa that this is incorrect. So, this is what we're speaking about. Many times, people, you know, even who are very good brothers practicing the deen, but they end up making major flaws and they don't even think about it. Major mistakes of cheating, deception, right? Deceiving the system, cheating the system in the name of Islam, or cheating, uh, uh, you know, anything else, subhanAllah, the government with taxes, with people with, with, with you know, coupons and sales and patani, all sorts of different things. And they don't realize that this is not permissible. And many times, I, I don't know, this is cor- there's no correlation, I'm just saying, people might not be regular in the deen, they don't pray the salah, but they're more conscious of this. I've noticed that. They're not conscious of salah, but they're, they're really focused on this type of things. that no cheating. And sometimes the guys are performing salah, Allah forgive us, pr- protect us, because the salah is not of good quality. That's why they completely neglect all of this cheating business. Like, chalta, it's okay, it's fine. But you prayed Fajr salah, why did you come? Why didn't you just say chalta and stay inside your sleeping bag and your blanket and not get up for Fajr? But you got up and made the effort of praying Fajr, but then when it comes to money, when it comes to these things to save 10 bucks, you wanna cheat, right? to get, you, know, get, you wanna skip the line, cut the line. How is that all this stuff permissible? Because no, I have someone, I know contact, etc., etc. So, we have to ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to grant us Basirah, far-sightedness. Allah said in the Quran, "What in furqana." If you truly fear Allah, Allah will give you furqan. What's furqan? Furqan is a special light. Furqan is a special light that allows you to differentiate between right and wrong. It's in the heart, right here. It's these special headlights. You know, you have these new vehicles that have these moving headlights and high-end headlights and all this stuff. This headlight, no, other, no one has this. It's, it's a, it is a byproduct of, as a result of taqwa in the heart. When you got those headlights on, you don't need to even ask a fatwa. You know exactly, okay, this seems, I gotta stay away from this. I gotta stay away from that. And you just mashallah navigate through that. Light. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant this nur to all of us and our loved ones. And may He allow us to do such deeds which will grant us the, uh, that will become a means of being gifted with this nur inshallah. So this is the gist of all of this discussion we had about double the punishment if you, are, if you have been blessed with deen. Right? If you've been blessed with deen, you're blessed with Islam, then your expectations from us should be more. Sometimes kids say, I don't like being a hafiz. Why? Because expectations are more from me. Okay. You're, dri- I, you know, you're driving a very nice sports car. We're, st- we're at the sp- stoplight. Okay, and then you're revving your. In- I'm revving the engine with the old car. You've got a very nice sports car. So now, if there's races happening, don't you think the expectation is you should be able to, you know, beat me to the next stoplight? And, you know, subhanallah, by the time I'm ba- barely up to 30 miles an hour, you're already waiting with your brake waiting for me to come up. Why are you going to say, no, why do you have this expectation from me? But you have the nicer car. Why would I not have the expectation? You have the nicer car. You have this, all this sports package on it. Of course, you, you're obviously going to go faster than I am. Why would you? Allah gifted you with that. That's amazing. It's not a burden to beat me. It's an honor. It's an honor that you are able to race me and beat me. So if a person says, You are of al-Quran. And the expression of Well, that's not a burden. That's a badge of honor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. That thousands and millions would die to have. That you've memorized the entire Quran or your father is or your mother is or you've went to an Islamic school. Yes, for sure, the expectations from you should be more. Because you have what others don't have. Basic words, basic Arabic words people don't know. To give you an example, Mufti bin Hajj, I remember a story with him uh, 15 years ago. He went to a university to give a talk. And at the end of this ama- amazing lecture on sirah, one whole hour on sirah, as he was walking out, the brother who was walking out with him, overheard one sister as she was taking notes asking another sister this talk was amazing I really enjoyed it but he kept on saying some word which I don't know what it means he kept on saying Rasulullah what's that now you have this girl who's sitting there SubhanAllah but she didn't get the right exposure it's not her fault maybe you know what I mean but you are sitting as a half of the Quran or went to Islamic school for 12 years or five years you went to maktab how can we not have higher expectations how can society not have higher expectations you shouldn't think of it as a burden, but instead to say it's an honor. The Marines are so excited. The Green Beret is so excited. Yeah, I have expectations. We're like this, we're like that. Why can't we be excited? Why can't we be excited to say Alhamdulillah? And it comes with the, amongst the Shabab, amongst the young Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made me from the elite force, the secret service, you know, the, the Marines. That's what you are. So if you have an Islamic school background, a Madrasa background, or a Hifz quran background, then do not get upset when someone says, that you're a half hafiz the quran come on, we expect a bit better. I know, I've been there, d- done that. We don't like that. When I was a little kid, people would say that. Of course I would get frustrated. I wouldn't like as an 8th grader or a 7th grader, or someone would say that to me. But those are, as we have to grow up, realize that, okay, that, that's my saying. My nafs is getting mad at me. My nafs doesn't like it. But in reality, I should say, thank you, you're right. Thank you for having this expectation from me. I share a story when I was going to South Africa with my brothers once. Beautiful story, Subhanallah. We we we, uh, we had to spend a night in New York because our plane had a technical problem, and uh, they had to wait for parts to be delivered from South Africa. There was a South African Airways. So we spent the night there. The next day they fixed the airplane and we we're ready to go. So the three of us were in for 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 year old. Subhanallah, we're sleeping. You know, Aram said no, 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 okay, so, You know, sleeping in the hotel. And we came down. There's multiple buses. We were on the last bus. We didn't miss the flight. The bus was still there. We're going in the last group of people. But we were on the last batch of people boarding the last bus. And there was a driver. Didn't say salam to us. Didn't say anything. The driver looked at us all dressed Islamically. Right? The three of us. And he, subhanAllah, he lectured us in front of the whole bus. He said, why are you guys at the end of the line? He said, what's going to happen to the rest of us? He said. He said, what's going to happen to the rest of us if you all are at the end of the line? we have higher expectations from you that you should be ahead not at the end of the line (laughs) as a 15 year old on my way to Africa you know I probably didn't appreciate that but I've shared this story many times reflecting over what he meant to think that subhanAllah people the fact that we are dressed in in, in this Islamic garb we have to lead by example we have to lead by example in everything and that Muslims and non-Muslims or Muslims who are not that confident and maybe showing their, Islam, you know, their, their Islamic identity openly, they're expecting us to lead by example. And when we don't do that, we're letting everyone down. We're closing the doors for guidance and hidayah because they write off Islam based on what we do. They write off the deen based on what we do. As a, as, a, as a well-known Muslim businessman or a well-known Muslim, you know, whatever, professional, if we cheat and deceive people, then subhanAllah, what do you expect from the rest? Then Allah says, وَمَنْ <لِلَّه> Whoever is consistent from amongst you in their ibadah. He's speaking again to the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then Allah will give her double the reward. It's not just double the sin. If you remain consistent and steadfast and you do good deeds, then Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, I'm gonna give you double the rewards and I've prepared for you a great honorable sustenance. My beloved brothers and sisters, qunut. what does qunut mean? Qunut means dawam ala ta'ah, to be consistent on obedience. Okay, so all of us have our ups and downs. We have our highs and our lows. This is natural, all of us do. So if you're going through a high or a low, don't think you're unnatural or doing something wrong. This is completely normal. Instead, the Prophet wasallam actually, subhanAllah, beautiful hadith, he said, لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ شَرَّةٍ he said, every single thing has its excitement phase. Everything has its excitement phase. And every excitement phase has its cooling off phase. Right? Straight from the hadith. Every single thing has an excitement phase, and every excitement phase has its, as a cooling phase. So it's, it's, it's natural if you get super excited to do tons of ibadah, and then after a while you feel like, oh man, I'm just gonna do my faraid and sunnah maka, then that's it. You're reading three, just four, just a day, and after you're just reading Yasin, and, and maybe, you know, a little bit, a few pages of the Qur'an. It happens. But then the Prophet wasallam said, the key thing is what happens when you go into the cool-off phase. When you, you know, are no longer in excitement phase, what's your situation at that time? That's what we're gonna get judged by. He said, if you in that cool-off phase follow my sunnah, then you're successful. But in that cool-off phase, you leave my sunnah and you start falling into sin, then unfortunately, that josh and that excitement was of no benefit. Because what's the point of that excitement phase if it's if you're, a week later, you're in major sin? You'd rather just be in the middle ground, but ensuring that you don't fall into sin. So what's, what is the takeaway point from this? The key thing is sabat, Dawam ala ta'a. Continuity on whatever we're doing. Even if it's little. Even if it's little. The Prophet ﷺ told Aisha Aisha says, the Prophet ﷺ said, Ya youannas, oh people, khudu min al-amali ma Take upon yourselves from good deeds that which you can handle. Take upon yourself from good deeds that which you can handle. hatta Allah is not gonna get tired of giving. Don't think you're gonna you're going to um, you know outstretch Allah, overstretch Allah. They say, oh, you know, he's not going to be able to give me this much reward because I'm overdoing it. Allah will never get tired. Guess what will happen? You all will get tired of doing deeds. You'll get tired of doing good deeds. Allah will never get tired of giving rewards. So instead, ensure that you don't burn out, basically. You don't do so much that now for the next week, next month, you say, I cannot do any ibadah. This is not the way to do it. Do a little bit every day instead of doing so much one month and the next three months you're out. And indeed, the most beloved action in the sight of Allah, madama wa in qalla, is that which is done consistently, even if it's small. Right? Like I had mentioned last week, this Tuesday night dars that you have. It's not you say it's one hour in the masjid, but then if you take it upon yourself, stick to it. No matter what happens, rain, snow, sleep. No matter what happens, you say this is one thing I've committed to. The masjid, and this is what I'm going to do for my own spiritual rectification, and I'm going to take it to the next step to say Allah, that not only do you do that, but also make a commitment to invite five, ten other brothers, and you'll see, ancestors, sisters, and you'll see, inshallah, Ta'ala, how their own spiritual journey you'll be a part of that. So this is, comes from the word kunut. Kunut means doing something continuously. Sheikh Nabulusi gives a beautiful example here. Um, the the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, you know, he emphasized the aspect of da'wam of, of continuity. And Sheikh Nabulsi gives a beautiful example. He says, "You take a vessel, you fill it up with you fill it up with water, and you leave it." Let's say the water fountain right here, perfect example. The water fountain, if you fill it up with water, which we do, and then you don't have the water fountain running. You just leave it like that. Look at the temperature outside nowadays. What happens? What's going to happen to the water? Evaporates. Right now it's completely dry. Completely dry, finished, right? So he says that even you fill it up, you know, 100 gallons, but if you don't make an effort to continuously, a small amounts keep on adding water, sooner or later, it's all going to be dried out. 100%, like you see over there. 100 gallons, let's say, are added there. Now there's not a single drop. So he says that a, you as a human being, he said, you yourself are a container. If you don't continuously take in something, how are you going to ever fill up? How are you ever going to fill up if you don't continuously keep on adding to yourself? So, what do we have to add? Iman ilm, yaqeen, attributes, qualities. That's what this halaqa is about, our tafsir It's It's a weekly filling up, your weekly fill up. If a person does not do the weekly fill up, then what's gonna happen? Soon we're gonna become empty. Does that make sense? We have to continuously. So wherever you find a gathering of ilm and dhikr, at least once a week, and when I'm traveling also, I always ask the local people, do that. Find a program in your city, drive 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes, mashallah, for the basketball camp for Fajr and for the basketball camp in the evening. There's people driving 45 minutes to pray Fajr here and to play play basketball or to learn about whatever, you know, exercise. And in the evening, people are driving 45, 50 minutes to bring their kids or even more actually, one hour because of traffic. Where there's a will, there's a way. Every day, people are doing that. So when a person realizes that this is for me, I need to fill up something and I need to spiritually take in something, Allah will make it easy. Does it make sense? So what is the key thing? Istiqama, steadfastness in whatever we're doing. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, a very, this is a, uh, subhanAllah, uh, very interesting ayah. There's so much to speak about and it's a very tough sp- subject to speak about as well. Very important subject as well, a tough subject to speak about as well. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to inspire us with the most correct way of addressing this inshaAllah. Um, so, nabi, oh the women of the Prophet, Allah SWT says, أَحَدٍ You are like not any other category of women if you remain God-fearing. So do not be soft in your speech with men such that one in whose heart there is sickness should become desirous. Rather speak a forthright word. So al الْقَوْلُ First, before we even get into the explanation of this ayah. Allah says, يَا an النَّبِي O the wives of the Prophet. Some people erroneously think that this ayah is speaking only to the wives of the Prophet. Only. While we, und- ulama, explain this, this is called min al-awla aula. All right. What does that mean? That if Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is speaking to the wives of the Prophet not to soften their speech, lest it attract men, even though who are they? They are mothers. You are not allowed to get married to them. It's haram. They are mothers. They're called ummahatul mu'minin, the mother of the believers. The level of reverence and respect you have for your Prophet is like none other. And the level of respect you'll have for the wife of the Prophet is the level of respect you'll have for no other women. Yet Allah is telling them, to watch the way you speak to men. Less problems arise. So if Allah is speaking to them and telling them to be careful, what about anyone else besides them? You think that rule doesn't apply? Min baab al-awla, obviously, to a higher degree will apply. It's like someone says, the Quran says, Fala don't say uf to your parents. But it doesn't say you can't hit them. Huh? If you're not able to even say oof, right, to them, then khalas, that's it. As Ali says, if there was a word in the Arabic language that denoted a smaller amount of disrespect than uf, Allah would have used that. Because uf is not even a word. It's like an expression. It's, right? it's not even a word. But that, that is the least... Uh, the word that denotes the least amount of disrespect. And Allah said that. So if when Allah is saying that, then you know definitely anything above that, obviously will be haram. Alright? So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the wives of the Prophet, then the rest of the women, most definitely this will apply to them. Does that make sense? So that, that, we need to clear, clear our mind about that first of all. Now, khudu' the, uh, al-qawl. The speaking in a soft manner. Right? What is this? This is a qaida. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created men and women and has created them with their own traits. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created forces in nature, water, fire, wind, right? Allah's created soil, mud. He's created all sorts of animals, predatory animals. One of the brothers here in the, in the Masjid told me, subhanAllah, that he, was, he had a surgery on his arm. And as he was getting the surgery done, he was awake and conscious. And the surgeon asked if he wants to take a look at his arm which had a massive hole in it as the surgery was being done and subhanallah you know just giving it gives gives goosebumps he said <laughs> he looked inside at his arm here or at, at and the surgeon said why don't you move your arm, why don't you move your fingers and he said as i move my fingers i could see inside exactly what's happening the nerves moving the muscles moving all of that happening inside real time and he said that was like the most powerful you know a, a manifestation of allah's qudrah which it's happening to all of us right now millions of things are happening in one second we don't see it. We don't realize it until we think about it and study it. And then you realize, Subhanallah, what's going on. So Allah is the Creator of these secrets of the universe, and He's created man and woman, and He's created them differently. That's the thing we need to understand. We need a whole hour, two hours on this topic. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, يغشى, The night, by the, I swear by the night, يغشى, when it overtakes everything. Look at how it's overtaken everything. تجلى, and I swear by the day when it becomes super apparent and everything becomes. well lit because of the Sun and I swear by that which is created the male and the female what's the purpose of these taking oaths indeed your efforts are diverse your efforts are diverse you don't work in the same manner some are working to build Islam some are working to destroy Islam some are working to build societies others are working to destroy people are working in different ways What's so interesting, Allah masharawi writes, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took an oath about the day and the night. The day and the night, is there any one of them that is less powerful? Is there anyone, is, imagine the day says, I need to be like the night. Imagine the night says, I need to be like the day. Imagine if the night says, Qalas, we're gonna take over the day. We don't need a day. We're just gonna all be nights. Or the day says, we don't need any more nights. We're gonna have day. Or the day says, how about I'm gonna take over. Take over half of the week is just gonna be day. Because right? you know we need more authority, we need more power. It would be chaos. Allah is saying the way He created day and night in different seasons, similarly is created male and female. They have their own perfection. There's no such thing as the night is imperfect and the day is perfect. Or you know, or, or the one season is perfect over the other. No, each one has got its own perfection, its own strengths, And there's a reason why Allah created all of that. By day you work, by night you rest. There's a reason. If it was 24 hours a day, then it would be a very big problem. If it was 24 hours and the Quran says that. The Quran says that. What does he say? انجا, uh, Allah says um in the 20th Jews. What is that? Sarmadan yawm al Say if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to make night for eternity till the day of judgment, الله, who is a God besides Allah, بضياء, who will bring light. In Jallaahu alaykum nahara sirma din la al-qiyama. If Allah subhanahu wa taala were to make it day forever, ilayum al-qiyama till the day of judgment, only bright sunlight. Man ilahun qaylullah, who is the god besides Allah? Ya bilaylin taskanuna fee, to bring for you the night in which you can rest. Afalatub Don't you all see? It's so obvious that day and the night have its own place. I think subhanallah, these verses in the Quran are building it up for an era in which we will not understand the reason why Allah has created two genders. And these verses are to say that just like, because why are you gonna say, wait, why would, who would ever confuse the day and the night? Why is Allah keeps on stressing this? Why is Allah saying why, you know, the, the fact that if it was only day it would be a problem, and if only night there would be a problem? You have to have both. Because a time will come when there'll be a group of people who say, you know what, we don't need women, or you don't need men, or you don't need genders. SubhanAllah. Allah says, Allah created you from male and female was Ajib, one of these scholars, he said, you think, again, what's the purpose of this ayah? You don't realize until you reach this era. I mean, of course, the ulama wrote it for that time, fine. But now we understand, this, like, why is Allah saying, Allah created you male and female? Like, okay, that's obvious. What's the point? Now you understand, no, this is not obvious anymore. This is, a, someone said, this is not Akbar, this is ahkam, ayatul ahkam. This is not a verse of just informing us, like, Allah created the heavens and the earth. No, this is an ayah of aqidah. This is an ayah of belief. This is an ayah that is giving us a, ju- a judgment that Allah has created males and females. That's, that's it. Whether you like it or not, the Creator is telling you, "I created day and night, you say, "No, I only see night." Well that's not my problem. There is day and there's night. There are seasons. There are different things. And He is the one who says, "I've created male and female." They're different. No one is better than the other. Perfection in This is that same ayah. Allah says, He's created you male and female, separate. I told you, right? You you caught what I said? Ayatul Ahkam. This is one of the ulama said, this is ayah of injunction. Not ayah of just informing us about the greatness of Allah. No. Take it to the different level. Like there's 500 or so verses of ayatul Ahkam in the Quran. From injunctions are derived from. He said, this ayah, in this day and age, we should call it ayatul Ahkam. I thought that was beautiful. That you know, this is not just speaking about greatness of Allah. Because this is where an issue. Today we're losing our youth. To this thing and adults as well. This is not an issue that you can sit and discuss. Sorry. You, Anyone wants to do whatever they want. We, we, we're not going to say it. But for me, for my aqidah, for my belief, for my son and daughter's belief, for my community's belief, this is what the Quran says. He created you male and female. You like it, you don't like it. This is what it is. Then Allah says, wa qabail. He's creating to various tribes. So you get to know one another. And then He says, Inna akramakum Men are not superior to women. No, in Akramakum Indeed, the most honorable from amongst you is the one who's got the most fear of Allah. So, if you have one Muslimah woman, who is, who, who, you know, who is one female, and you have one thousand male PhDs, MDs, JDs, but they're all disbelievers. That one female Muslimah is 100 percent, one million percent more virtuous, more you know, weightier in the eyes of Allah than these thousand men. There's no doubt about it. The key thing is about the taqwa. Who's got more taqwa? That's what we do. That's what we have to. That's where uh, you know it 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 lands with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, ya Allah. So I'm just these thoughts are coming in my mind. Why does Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala say, tubsirun, Why you all can't see? see? ta'qilun, Why you can't understand? Look, like, Allah, I get it. We see it. Well, who would refuse the need for a separate day and a night? But now you understand when Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in Surah Al-Layl speaks about day and night. What does he speak about? The two genders. And so you think Afalatub Sirun afala is also building up to those people in that future era who are gonna come and who are gonna doubt the gender roles and who are gonna doubt the creation of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in two different ways. So this is an ayah, afala tubcirun, afala Like what's wrong with you? Didn't you have a mom and a dad 40 years ago? Right? Did they were both moms or both dads, come on, what's wrong with you? Look back. How have you forgotten, you know, 10,000 10, years of human history? What's going on? How could we possibly be 10,000 years of human history or more? 100% all of them in falsehood. And all of a sudden you've been enlightened more than anyone else? That just doesn't make sense. And what makes you think you're right? If 10,000 years people suffered and they were in misguidance, what are the chances that all of a sudden you're right forever? More than likely then the next generation is going to say, you're wrong too. Until they come up with something even more shaitani than this. And that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to get worse by generation by generation. La ilaha illallah. That's why there's a hadith of Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم: Oh Allah, when you decide to put a community into trial, please pull me up back to you without any fitna. There's no point in living. There's no point in living in a community that's going to be afflicted through a fitna. So we all have to make du'a: Ya Allah, take me away safely. We're not saying go today or tomorrow, no. Right? We're saying that, Ya Allah, if fitna is coming our way, I don't want to die in a fitna and lose my deen. And this gender issue is a massive fitna. A massive fitna. It is not a thing that, you know, is, it's not a furu'i ancillary issue. It's hitting at ta'aqidah. It's hitting at your core belief. Because the Quran says they're different. The Quran speaks of a marriage of men, and w- men with women, not, not with each other. And you have this whole group of people that is pushing it towards, not just we need to do that, but rather it's halal, it's acceptable, and you need to, you, need to, you know, change your faith for that. And people who are actually... Many, many people, we're getting more phone calls per month you know, that we'd ever get in, you know, we never got like, calls like this before. Now it's happening, uh, you know, unfortunately the frequency has increased by people who are exp- expressing what's happening at their home with the, at the hands of the sons and daughters. It's pretty scary things. So, um, in this, in, so in this era of fitna, we have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protection. So Allah created men and women separately, and He created specific ways of interaction with each other. So just like different elements, Come together. When different elements come together, you have a beautiful, nice, expensive stove in which you cook your food. And you have a nice barbecue pit in which you grill your, uh, you know, you do your s'mores or you grill your, your, your steak. But that same elements, if you do not allow it, if you take it out of a protective measure from the barbecue pit, from the barbecue grill, from the expensive or uh, you know, stove, and you put it out in the forest, in a dry forest, What's going to happen? You're going to have 100,000 acres burning. Yeah? Thousands of people dying, perishing every year from fires. So there is a place for that fire to work. We, we need fire to cook. We need fire for our warmth. We need fire to, for, combust, you know, for energy, all sorts of things. But you cannot have that fire roaming around the place. It will completely destroy you to the ground everything that you built. So the the attraction between man and woman is that fire. Allah Allah Himself put it. If that attraction wasn't there, there would be no reproduction and there would be no kids in the world. And that's it. The human existence would have come to an end thousands of years ago. But because of that attraction, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept us running. And if you think about it, there's so many issues with having children and taking care of them and the cost and the headache and all kinds of things that happen. What would a person know? And the pain for a mother. Why in the world would anyone willingly go through that? Subhanallah. Allah Jalla puts certain elements of attraction in the, mother's heart, in the lady's heart to be a mother, in the husband's heart to, be, to, to have a wife. All of this plays in together and forces them to end up getting married and having children. Otherwise, no one would want to have children. No one would want to lock themselves as so-called in a marriage. I'm a free man. I can go wherever I want. Why is it to have to get a text message? Where are you now? So many brothers, they send a message, eh? I'm, I'm here with Mufi Sab. okay, please. It's 11 o'clock. So, <laughs> I'm like, I don't involve me in your issues, right? It's like, no, just, just check in. You have to show the proof where we're at. So, um, <laughs> it was it was hilarious. It was hilarious. One day I was, I was traveling with someone. Oh, boy. You know, it was late. We, you know, we got pretty late. <laughs> and uh, his wife called. And, uh, you know, we were just doing some stargazing. SubhanAllah. He didn't tell her they were going for stargazing. <laughs> and the way he handled that, it was just hilarious. You know, I was just trying to hold myself from laughing. And after he hung up and I started laughing, I was like, SubhanAllah. Um, he <laughs> said, You know, we're sitting in the masjid right here. Like, yeah, we were sitting in the masjid, but like an hour ago. Now we went stargazing, you know. So, uh, but, so th- th- this is um. Uh, Why would a person willingly put himself to that? Now you you have your your paycheck, you take it to yourself. Now you got to spend on your whole house. You have to have a bigger home to accommodate your wife and then also spend all your money on your kids and this, that. And there's nothing fun about it in that perspective you look at it. But people do it because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created this attraction. Starts off between the male and a female attraction number one. That becomes the root, that becomes a catalyst for everything else. If that wasn't there, not only would people not get married and not want to take care of each other, then people would not want to have kids, so the presence of that attraction is necessary. Ajib. Some of one one thing was a beautiful point. Sheikh Anabulisi writes. He says that shahwa, the uh, the lust after after the shahwa of food and water, this shahwa uh, towards the opposite gender is uh, one of the greatest ways to get close to Allah. Have you ever heard about that? One of the greatest ways, to closest and quickest ways to get to Allah is through, sh- is, is, is through this. I'm like, how is that? shahwa. He says, تارتن تارتن Very nice. He said, we climb towards Allah because of these shahawat. Be it shahwa of food, drink, or our cardinal desire. How? Sometimes through shukr and sometimes through sabr. You, you eat food, Alhamdulillah, and if you don't, you, like Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, I'm fasting. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would say, I love to eat and I love to fast so that I can be grateful that on the days that I'm eating and I can be patient and also on the days I'm fasting. The gist of what he said. SubhanAllah. So when a person's need is fulfilled, he does shukr. Alhamdulillah, I have a wife. I have a kids. Alhamdulillah. You know, yes, it's difficulty whatnot, but now at least I'm protected from sin on the other hand a person does not have is not married now what is he doing he's doing sabr and through the sabr of of that difficulty he's going through as he's searching for a spouse or he's trying to stay away from haram which is you know the biggest issue right now for our youth he's going to get the closeness to allah like no other person simply by his sabr and the difficulty he's faced and his patience and resilience uh from not falling into haram right so if you think about it this is not a musibah what is it this is an asset Shahwa is what? An asset. Through this, you can actually reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just change the perspective about about it. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He created this attraction, but if this fire is not placed in its proper place, in what's a proper place? Marriage. If it's placed anywhere else, the entire institution will fall apart. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created them with their roles and if everyone fulfills their role we we progress if we want to copy each other which is happening now then the world will fall apart the pilot says i want i enjoy i want to see how it is to walk down the aisle talk to everyone i'm sitting there cooped up not talking to anyone i love to have chit chat with everyone you know and uh, i would like to take the role of a steward or a stewardess and come in the back What's going to happen to the plane? Stewardess says, subhanAllah, these people are so nice. I'm going to get them home quicker. Let me get into the pilot seat and try to drive faster. What's going to happen? Every place has its role. You know, every person has a role. What's the issue is when the men are leaving their roles and the women are leaving their roles and switching it up. Or women are leaving. It's like what happened in Uhud. You leave the back end and you come down, khalas, the whole ummah is going to get f- slaughtered. The, the home is being guarded by the women. If the woman says, no, I'm going to leave the door open and we're all going to go out. Then don't be surprised when you come home and the whole house is ransacked. If the children are not raised up properly, subhanAllah, what's going to happen? He mentions a beautiful point. He says, while the mother is moving the crib or the car seat, you want to call it today, or, you know, whatever it is, the crib with her right hand, subhanAllah, he says, alam bi yusraha, She is pushing and moving the entire world with her left hand. Ajeeb. that this movement of the child with the right hand in reality tomorrow this child is gonna be a leader and if it wasn't for that love of the mother that he received as a young baby would never be able to be what he what he will what never reach the potential He'd die right there so the mother is not just raising boring little you know raising kids at home instead she is mudirul alam she is actually running the world behind the scenes Behind every man, they say he's a strong woman. We know that. Every single leader in the world was, came, came what? From Asman Utra. No one came from the heavens. Even Rasulullah had his beloved mother Aminah. Think about that. Right? Every person has a mother. No one can say they came without a mother. No one can say they came without a mother. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave that mother that position. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put the love of being a mother into a female's heart. And the love of females into a male's heart. Quran says, Number one, Allah says, "The love of uh, the love of certain things has been been beautified in the hearts of the of the people, your people, you all." Oh. Number one thing, women. Number two, banin, sons. Number three, al tons of gold. Wal and tons of silver. means actually means tons, like huge amounts. Well, al top-notch horses or what we call the Ferraris right well an army and livestock well harf, and you know lands uh, agricultural lands that is the enjoyment of the worldly life so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created each one with something now the male has physical strength more than the female we're trying to deny that nowadays like, like you know, this is for them. Afala like afala You don't have any sense. You don't see. Like, what's wrong with you, man? Why are you saying stuff like this? Why are you saying stuff like this? That the you know the male and female's physical strength is the same. Allah created them differently. Hence, you don't find too many, you know, uh, iron smiths who are women, and you know uh, bricklayers who are women, or sanitary engineers or garbage men who are women, right? And previously, frontline fighting was only men. But this is fight, fight to say, no, we got to get to the front, we got to get to the front. That they're putting women in the front line as well. But it wasn't like that before. Always just men. So now, how do you balance this? If men are so physically strong, they're going to end up oppressing all the women and the women are going to just die at the hands of the men. So Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them what we call soft power. It's powerful soft power. They are, you know, as they use in the term. Soft power... And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put the attraction of women in the hearts of men. So although she does not have the physical strength in most cases to outdo him, to overpower him. But Allah put her, the attraction towards her in his heart. So now that will abate him and hold him back from outright oppression. Or rather you could say he will man up and he will use his physical strength to earn in order to get to her. That was the whole courtship process in the early, up to the early 1900s, up to the 1930s and 40s. There was no such thing as dating. Read the history yourself. You would go offer your, you know, request the hand of the girl in marriage. And the father would do a full scale interview and whatnot and see what what can you do, what can you know, what type of person you are, do you have chivalry, you have this or that. So even a man would, a guy would man up to be worthy of marriage, to be worthy of being Recognized as someone worthy of getting some girl's hand in marriage, Subhanallah. When the, when the world wars took place and the women came into the workforce because all the men were outside and then the, you, know, you know and the men were dying off and the, the 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 revolution took place and with women needing to fill up the workforce or you know the capitalistic workforce, you know, and the war industry, everything changed. And this whole dunya changed. That's what. You know, then the whole honor of a woman That she's being approached by someone مخطوبة, That you go approach her You go ask her for hand you have, to, you have to be worthy of being accepted Gone now, now it's free for all right? Now you, you go check each other out And she's gonna go ask 10 people herself And this is a ajib system Meaning the entire honor system that was there That you are someone that men are gonna fight to You know, to get to And you can say no, no, no That's all gone Now she's become tafih, you know, cheap with this whole role to say no i want to i want to be equal with you well you're going to be equal with you then you have to you have to get into the trenches and get dirty with the men that's just how it is so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them this soft power who uses this soft power example Asiya what is Bichari Asiya gonna do عنها, the wife of Fir'aun he is killing everyone left and right but at the end of the day she's his wife and she says please don't kill Musa Hopefully, he will be of some benefit to us. We can adopt him as a son. You know. And Fir'aun, as powerful as he is and as, as a great tyrant as he is, he listens to his wife. And he says, okay, where did that come from? That's a soft power I'm speaking about. So the women look at what, how did Allah allowed Asiya to use her soft power to save the whole Ummah. Had she not interceded on behalf of Musa, and had Allah not inspired her to do that? Musa would be killed, definitely. Radiallahu uh, 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 So if Musa was killed, then where would Bani Israel be saved? In dunya and akhirah. They would have to continue suffering at the hands of Fir'aun for generations to come. And of course, they would die in kufr. Probably. So their dunya got saved, their akhirah got saved by who? By one lady. And what did she do? She used her soft power. She got to her husband and said, no, please, keep your hands off of him. Bas, that's it that's the power women have that women can use their soft power to literally change the course of whole history you don't need to the, you know the big the big the, the, uh, the, the big families that they speak about who run the world you guys know what i'm speaking about right those big families where do you see their names you have to google and watch some conspiracy video to be able to get to know them but they're there. There's no I mean, we believe that they're, you know, possibly, you don't have to believe it, you believe it, you don't believe whatever. But they're definitely not in front. Their names are not in front. But they're sitting there controlling the shots. We, we, we can probably all agree that the one at the top doesn't control anything. It's the people behind him for sure. You know, there's people behind. Who those people are behind? I don't know. But there are people definitely hiding behind the screens who are doing stuff, who call the shots. So you don't have to be at the forefront to be actually making a change in this world. This is Allah samjadeh sabko may Allah make us understand this you don't have to be at the front to be able to make a change if you want to be a policy changer who policy changer policy guys who change the policies are not presidents they are these small unknown think tanks that are going one-on-one lobbyists they're going pe- sitting at you know at late night over wine discussing things and coffee and explaining and brainwashing people that's what, how policies are changed not by people right in the front so soft power of women used properly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave this amazing story. And then, on the other hand, if this same lady, she uses the soft power for a wrong thing, she will destroy the whole society. Right? All of it. Because she has something with, with the men, you know, are after. And she can use and wield that power to completely destroy a nation. Will cause wars. There have been instances where world wars have happened just because of a lady. Right over a love affair, one, one aspect of this, subhanallah, a massive world, a whole a world war has taken place. So this is not a, this is not Allah subhanahu did not leave you defenseless. You have this amazing power, and what we need to do is understand that this power needs to be used in a positive manner. So a lady who can say to her husband to say subhanallah, you know you've been so nice and kind to me, you're being, you're doing so, you're spoiling with all of this stuff. Wallah, nothing would make me more happier. Than you becoming regular in the masjid. Nothing would make me more happier than you taking a tajweed class. You look so handsome, mashallah. But you growing out your beard would make you look like my prophet, and that would even make me more happy. So no, Molana Mufti's bayan will motivate him the way his wife, if her words, will motivate him. Yeah, that's a reality. If the wife were to just use these type of statements, and the mother were to use it on her kids, and the wife were to use it with her husband, the world would be a different place. We'd encourage our husband, Mashallah, you're spending so much on me, but how about you go spend in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so you, can, you and I both can enjoy the, the non-ending rewards of this in the akhirah. So we have, as long as everyone sticks to their positions, alhamdulillah, the fort will be protected. And if we, the, the insiders and outsiders, they start coming in and out, then everything, then every single thing, subhanAllah, will get ruined. As one uh, Bedouin was asked, what is the role of a wife and a husband? Bedouin, long ago. Not politically, you know, acceptable today. He said, yeah, they're simple. They both do khidma for each other. Al- al- yakhdim al- kharij wal- ta-khdim al- he said, the husband serves the wife outside the house. The wife serves the husband inside the house. That's the rights of the husband and wife. They're both out there serving each other, but they have different places where they serve. So this fire, as long as it's, it's powerful, it's needed. But if you take it out of its place of a marital relationship, it's going to destroy everything. And the start of it is not looking at someone. That's even before that. What the Quran is speaking about is even hearing their voice. Even hearing the voice can, can lead to so many issues. That the Quran says, That those, he's speaking, this is not speaking to 2021 crowd. We're speaking about to the era of the Sahaba and the era of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But they're hypocrites there. Allah says, don't speak in a soft tone. Otherwise, that person who's got muddled a sickness in his heart, he will begin to have wrong desires. Desire for who? Your mother. She is the wife of your prophet. She is the highest aid. How can you think about that? It doesn't make a difference when shaitan and nafs comes. When they want to start a fire, they can start a fire anywhere. As Shaykh Nabulisi says, subhanAllah, he's a shaitan, he's got a sixth sense that none of us have. Super, super, super sharp sixth sense that you cannot avoid, you can't miss. It's a tentacle that you cannot miss. It just grabs you. And the sixth sense is he sees when a, he sees the, the ability to create a spark. He knows, okay, this guy's got that weakness. Ah, I got it. Just you say one word. Don't just say, here, here you go. Say, how are you doing? Go. I'll take care of the rest. As soon as a guy hears a lady asking him more than necessary a question, how's the family? How's that? Khalas, he's just waiting to be lit on fire. You don't need to, you just what, what you have a oil, a pile, a pile of oil there. You don't need a massive fire. You put one match, it will it will it'll flare up. So that attraction is already in the man. By her asking a simple question, how's the weather? How's this? you looking nice, this, that, whatever the case, maybe khalas, done deal. Shaitan's got the sixth sense, he knows exactly how to mess around and create that fire. So you're dealing with a very massive test of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what the Quran speaks about that. Again, most definitely this is a lengthy topic, like I said. Inshallah will oh boy. Uh continue. Uh, inshallah, you know, soon uh, the ne- then next week, um I'm gonna be traveling. So but I don't wanna miss out on the darts. Uh, i will have inshallah hopefully باذن الله substitute take t- take on from dars and then after that will be the day of eid or the day before so we will we'll not have dars after that so i'll meet you all inshallah not two weeks uh, three from three weeks from now right um, uh, so if next week will be someone else inshallah the week after that will be eid and the week after that we'll have that, you know dars inshallah um, so hopefully then we'll have to review <laughs> whatever we covered today you can listen to the recordings if otherwise um inshallah for that we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he protect us all from this uh, from, from falling to our temptations may he give us the strength to uh, to not fall to that may he allow us to uh, have that level of basirah and the sightedness to keep ourselves free from uh, from falling to these temptations Subhanallah, wal hamdi subhanakallahu wa Nashadu Allah, an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa
1: natubu ilaik inshallah we'll give the adhan now and perform the salah
3: Allah رسول الله اشهد ان محمد الرسول فلا الله اكبر الله اكبر الله اكبر الله اكبر اشهد ان لا اله الا الله اشهد ان لا اله الا الله اشهد ان محمد رسول الله اشهد ان محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاه على حي على الصلاه حي على الفلاح حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاه الله اكبر الله اكبر لا اله الا الله لا اله
1: الا الله محمد رسول الله استو اعتدل
3: الله اكبر
4: وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا يَغْشَى وَالنَّهَارِ إِذَا تَجَلَّى وَمَا خَلَقَ الذَّكَرَ وَالْأُنْثَى إِنَّ سَعْيَكُمْ لَشَتَّى فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْيُسْرَى وَأَمَّا مَنْ بَخِلَ وَاسْتَغْنَى وَكَذَّبَ بِالْحُسْنَى فسنُيسِرُهُ لِلْعُسْرَى وَمَا يُغْنِي عَنْهُ مَالُهُ إِذَا تَرَدَّى إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا لَلَهُدَى وَإِنَّ لَنَا لَلْآخِرَةَ وَالْأُولَى فَأَنذَرْتُكُمْ نَارًا تَلَظَّى لَا يَصْلَاهَا إِلَّا الْأَشْقَى الَّذِي كَذَّبَ وَتَوَلَّى وسيجنبها الاتقى الذي يؤتي ما له يتزكى وما لاحد عنده من نعمه تجزى الا ابتغاء وجه ربه الاعلى ولا سوف يرضى الله غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين والضحى والليل إذا سجى ما ودعك ربك وما قلى وللآخرة خير لك من الأولى ولا يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى أَلَمْ يَجِدْكَ يَتِيمًا فَآوَى وَوَجَدَكَ ضَالًّا فَهَدَى وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَرْ وَأَمَّا السَّائِلَ فَلَا تَنْهَرْ وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ الله أكبر. سميع Allah لمن حمده الله اكبر, الله أكبر.
3: الله
4: أكبر. الله أكبر. الله سمع الله لمن حمدا الله اكبر الله اكبر الله اكبر, الله أكبر
0: الله
4: أكبر <تصفيق> الله أكبر
1: before mufti brahim this Aysab from askimam.com he's quite ill from COVID. has been offer shifa for him and his family members as well who are sick inshallah. additionally there will be inshallah a talk on the hajjah it's coming friday evening uh, as the, the last 10 days of the hajj are beginning very soon so inshallah in preparation for that how to spend these uh, these uh, sorry the first 10 days of the hajj appropriately and the virtues of it all will be inshallah uh, discussed so please mark that inshallah this friday evening <laughs> Allah انا اشهد ان عليك انتك على نفسك اللهم 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 يا حي يا قيوم اشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم ان يشفيه نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم 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 الناس لا الا اللهم ماته بالبأس رب الناس لا شفاء إلا شفاءك شفاءنا يهادل سقما اللهم في حينا وميتنا وشاهدين وغائبين وصغيرين وكبيرين وذكرين وإنثانا اللهم نحيت مننا فاحي على الإسلام ومن توفيته مننا فتوفهوا على الإيمان ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين سبحان ربك رب العزة الماصفون وسلامنا على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين